two, one. Hello and welcome to the Good HIE Podcast, where this week we thought we'd bring you something really scary, a non-HIE writer. This <laughs> week we have Colton Gardez hanging out with us. Hello, hello. In addition, we've got our usual cast and crew that's hanging out with us. We've got a non-pencil. I'm wearing nothing for Halloween. Dude, uh, chat penguin lips. I don't know how I feel about that. Enigma's here. I've got a pizza coming up. Milk's here. Uh. And Vylon's stalking us. So, naturally, it's and Friday you are, again. And you are, and you are. I'm Flutter Priest. Here we but go. that's not what's important. This week, we're doing another interview. And the way we always do these interviews, for those who are tuning in for the first time, is that we have a thread out on the Good HIE list on Fem Fiction. Um, if you are interested in asking Colton Gardez a question or asking the panel a question, go ahead and just throw your question into a little post and post it. Man, I lost the repetition game today. Good job. Uh, um, there will also be a drinking word. As usual, get excited, guys. We have a new drinking word I don't think we've ever used before. Anytime you hear one of us say the word character, you're going to be drinking. So uh, get ready for Halloween, and uh, let's have some booze on this Friday. I hope everyone is in the spirit and wearing costumes or, you know, wearing nothing. Whatever you choose to do, I'm not your mom, thank God. So uh, welcome. Let's get drinking and let's ask some questions. If you have any questions for our guest and you put them in the chat, I will be able to see them. If they're super stupid or just about video games and have nothing to do with anything else, I will probably ignore you. But other than that, I will pretend I like you and ask the question. Yay. That said, let's get spooky. Let's get right into the list of questions. We're going to start with a set of questions from Dr. Foxwolf, who thankfully compressed his list of questions from last week. Last week we had so many questions we couldn't get through all of them. Let's see what we can do to get through all of them this week. Uh, Cold, we're starting deep right away. Is the value of human life quantifiable? Okay, so I'm going to go on a little digression here. I used to work for the Ohio Environmental uh, Protection Agency back when I was a uh, intern in Pollux. Now, what does that have to do with the value of human life? The EPA actually sets what's known as the mean statistical value for a human life because they have to assess when they, when they authorize a coal-fired power plant or whatever, they know that it will kill a certain number of people in a certain number of area, and they have to weigh that against you know, the value of having a power plant. And the mean statistical value that they've come up with is around $8 million. So if you ask an environmentalist, yes, it can be quantified. Uh, personally, though, no, I don't think so. Sorry. I'm, I'm not one of those guys who tries to put a value on human life. That, that's fascinating. I actually didn't know that. That's terrifying, <laughs> actually, yeah. I better take a look at my life insurance policy. It gets a little better. And sorry, I'm eating my breakfast right now. It, it is morning here in Japan. Hello from Tokyo. Um, now, the EPA, you know, they, they don't like to go around and say, you know, how much people are worth because, you know, it kind of comes across pretty bad. <laughs> so, I could see that. So rather than talking about, you know, the value of a person's life, they talk MSVs, mean statistical value. And they go a step further. They talk about MILA, mean statistical values, MMSVs. So, you know, a, a given action, building a road, might result in 500 MMSVs. Yeah, I think I'm saying that right. Or about a half a human life. They try to disguise it as much as they can. So now you know. Today you learn. That's really cool. I learned Man. something today. 
welcome to the educational podcast where um all right we'll go into the second question <laughs> where, what, um, where what where i don't have a lead-in for that good uh, job the second question is what is your meaning of life if you had to tell someone what the meaning of life is what would you say hmm I think most people will default to religion for that. I'm not a particularly religious person, so I don't. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, everyone knows, I'm, well, maybe not everyone, a lot of people know I'm in the military. So I derive a lot of my values from that. You know, what do I consider, you know, worth living for? But, you know, in particular, when you're in the military, you often, often have to consider what is worth dying for. Um, so the usual things, uh, duty, honor, country, uh, stuff like that, but I forget who said it originally. It was some famous author who said that when you're in a foxhole, you're not really concerned about duty on our country. They's, those aren't the top uh, priorities on your list. You're worried about the dude beside you, trying to keep him alive. And I've been in combat in Afghanistan uh, a few times, and I'll tell you that it's that that's a pretty accurate way of saying it. You know, you're worried about your buddies, you know, the people in the truck with you, uh, the people you're patrolling with. You're not too much worried about greater concerns like duty or honor or country at that point. It's just, it's just the person next to you and what you can do to keep them safe. Wow. So it's, it's almost more about leaving the plate, leaving the world a little better place than you left it. It is. One of my uh, commanders had a great saying, uh, and he wasn't talking about, you know, living or dying. He was just talking about where you're working at a particular place is always leave the uh, campsite better than you found it. Yeah. Well, sweet. I think that's really that's really well put. Uh, the next question is, are you content in life? Mm. Mm. Sorry, took a bite right there. Oh, it's fine. Um, am I content? Um, I think it's dangerous to be content. Uh, it, you can certainly be happy with life. I like to think I'm happy with where I am. But if you're content, then you're not really uh, you're not really motivated to uh, try to improve. So. I'm going to hedge on that. I'll say I'm happy with life, but I'm not quite content with it yet. I think I've still got quite a bit of stuff to do. Very specific. Hmm. Wow, yeah. Uh, man, Dr. Foxwolf is really, really... I know, we're, we're starting good ones for this one. Yeah, I'm bringing up a deep question today. Okay. <laughs> Philosophical ass shit. Psychological profile of authors, so I'm going to All right. Yes. Number four is, are you comfortable with the concept of death? <laughs> Sorry. What's up with these questions? <laughs> right? Sorry. Yeah. We are serious business here today. I'm just going to go out a limb before you start and say, character, we all need a drink right now. So... <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, most shows start with, you know, the lighthearted stuff, then they work their way to death, you know, around hour two or so. But no, not the good HIE group. We're, we're just... <laughs> no. Okay. Am I comfortable with death? Uh, not my own death. Let's put it that way. Not, not quite there yet. But the concept. Mm, the concept of that. Oh, okay. mm. There's a uh, great author on Pimpfit. I'm going to do another dodge here. Called Gap Jaxi. You guys might have yeah, heard Yeah, yeah, great and powerful Jaxi. Mm, yeah. Uh, he, he's a rationalist. He, uh, he, he really, he's really part of that group that uh, believes that we can make life better. Uh, we can, you know, bring about the singularity, uh, transcend death. And he's written a bunch of stories about that. And he always makes sure to include all the bad stuff that happens when, uh, you know, technology or, you know, or ponies, so magic, uh, gets to the point that you're basically immortal. 
and he presents it as quite the dilemma. So I would love to say that uh, I, I don't like the concept of death. I'd be happy if it didn't exist, but raises a lot of questions. Uh, it's certainly a, a right topic for thought. We could spend a whole two hours just discussing some of his stories about what happens to society when you defeat death. You know, death is certainly bad for the individual because the individual dies, but it's, I hate to say this, but it's probably good for society that people die. I mean, imagine the stagnation and the lack of growth that would happen if people just stopped dying. Certainly it would change uh, our concept of society, possibly for the worst. Uh, now, the people living in that society might think it's better. I, I probably would from a purely selfish point of view, but uh, I don't know that we would be good for society. Man, I hope the next question is a little more lighthearted. You know, you basically described that one Simpsons episode where Homer bonks death on the head with a bowling ball. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, you just said you hope the next question is lighthearted. Let's go to the next question. I'm ready. Oh boy. <laughs> Which is preferred, to be constantly living in a state of depression and despair or to turn to escapism, lying to oneself and ignoring responsibilities to deny that depression? Holy shit. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well. Sorry. This is too I'm deep for see, our level. No. We, we pride ourselves on this podcast to be able to kind of cut the bullshit a little bit and be able to ask directly what the viewers want to hear. But this is, this is next level. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to help everyone out and just say character real fast. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. So mm. To answer his question, though, I don't think there's anything wrong with escapism as long as it doesn't become your life. Uh, but by the same token, depression is pretty bad too. So if you're suffering from no kidding clinical depression, you know, which is a medical problem, then maybe escapism isn't the worst thing in the world. Uh, that said, I wouldn't encourage either of them for most listeners. I would encourage escapism in moderation to, as hmm. to maintain sanity. I would not encourage it as a lifestyle though. I would not encourage depression as um, a form of escapism <laughs> at all. <laughs> Depression as a form of escapism. That's a concept in and of no. itself. Oh. Now, the next question is probably prob it's it's the final question for Dr. Foxwolf, but it's probably mm. the darkest and most thoughtful. Oh man. Uh, Here we go. What would cause you to drop an otherwise perfectly good story right in the middle of reading it? Hmm. I can't remember if I've done that. I think I have. Um, usually, well, he said a perfectly good story. Okay. Uh, I've, I've dropped bad stories in the middle all the time. I think we all have, but what would make me stop reading a perfectly good story? What would make it go tits up for you? What would, what would it, just kill it? For yeah. What would just kill a good story for you? A lot of times it's when really the author makes a mistake. Uh, and what do I mean by that? They've, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about a story that I'm not going to use its name because I don't want the uh, people to get down on it. But let's say a story uh, has a character Trick. and that character does something uh, like commits a murder. You know, it, we've all read stories like that. It happens. Now, it's perfectly fine to have a murderer for your main character. That's all well and good. You may do that as much as you want, but you have to be consistent with it. You can't have the character immediately after the murder go back to just living a normal life, you know, you know, scene ends and the murderer is promptly forgotten. You know, certain actions that characters take, it doesn't have to be murder, it could be a lot of things. They 
indelibly mark that character. You know, before you commit the murder, you're just Pinkie Pie, let's say. After you commit the uh, murder, you are Pinkie Pie the murderer. That is your title for the rest of your life. Uh, you may not tell people about it, they may not know it, but to the author and to the readers and to the narrator, that should always be the case. You can never get away from that. So what really bothers me is when authors have something profound and life-changing, and I'm just using murder as an example, happen to one of their characters or they, their character's experience, but then the scene ends and it just, it's gone. It's like it never happened. And usually that's a sign that the author kind of wrote themselves into a corner and they're like, well, I don't really want my character to be a murderer for the rest of their life, so we're just going to never mention this again and hope the readers forget about it. So it sounds that's, like almost like making light of serious uh, serious things. I don't like that, yeah. That's, that's a good way of saying it. Now, the exception is when you're writing a comedy. You are absolutely allowed to make light of murder, but that has to be your intention. You can't just elide uh, something serious and be like, ah, you know, it, it didn't really happen. No one cares. That's, that's, that is one thing that will sometimes upset me. For the record, he said character seven times. I oh, know. Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> I scotch giggling. I have been giggling about that. It wasn't mm -hmm. intentional. <laughs> oh, it was wonderful, though. I don't mind it at all. Um, and as somebody who uses dark subjects as a means of comedy, thank you for, for clarifying that. Hmm. Alrighty. Um, then we're going to move on to the next uh, next set of questions. This one okay. from Willam. <laughs> he only Hi, has William, one. Long time no see. He only has one question, and I think it's what a lot of people in the audience are wondering. You don't write human in Equestria. What are you doing here, and how did you get here? How did we, well, how did, how did we drag you into this? How did you slip I, past I, our defenses? I have a saying. <clears throat> stories about ponies are stories about people. And uh, what that I think that means, or what it means to me, is when we're writing about ponies, yeah, okay, if they're, granted, we're writing about these magical talking horses, you know, four legs, pastel colors. If you write them focusing entirely on the fact that they're these alien beings that are impossible to exist in reality, you're gonna you're not gonna connect with people you have to write about people you have to write about humans uh the fact that these humans take the shape of magical four-legged talking horses is interesting it's certainly relevant to the story but you should still be talking about people uh i think uh, i think it was ray bradbury who said it every story is about humans even and ray bradbury if you know him he was famous for writing about aliens monsters all those kinds of things yes Every story, and yeah, it's October, so good time to mention Ray Bradbury, actually. Uh, every story, though, was about humans, ultimately. Uh, stories about vampires were stories about, uh, you know, sexual predators. Uh, stories about ghosts were stories about our fear of, the, of death. Stories about aliens were about our fear of the unknown. Everything is about humans, even if the character, that's one, is not actually a human themselves. So that's why I think I'm always writing HIEs, even if there's never actually a human in any of my stories. I think it's a pretty, I think that's pretty accurate, just the fact that you have to write them as actual characters. You know, mm -hmm. when you write them as characters, you have to humanize them in their own anthropomorphization. way. Anthropomorphization. Yeah. Anthropomorphization, even if they're not like anthro, mm -hmm. because that word gets overused a lot, especially in this particular fandom. I would like to be clear that anthropomorphization is not just taking a animal and making it a furry. That that's not that's not what it means. Anyway, and it's different from personification. Yeah. 
And two more drinks. Uh, let's see. Next, we're going to go down to a set of questions from uh, Cyber Phazon. Uh, to everyone, especially those in the podcast that are listening, uh, have a half, uh, half, happy Halloween. Man, my stutter acted up. And um, have a good drinking time, but please drink responsibly because we have too many characters going on in this podcast. Drink. Um, but now for questions for Colt. Okay. Do you believe in ghosts? Mm. Uh, like the paranormal kind? No. Uh, I'm, I'm a scientist by training. I, I said I worked at the Ohio Environmental Protection Agency. Obviously, you need to be a scientist to do that. Um, so uh, I, I don't believe in ghosts because I don't see any evidence of ghosts. Comma, however, I love the concept of ghosts. I think people can be haunted, not by you know ghosts, but by their experiences, by their pasts. Uh, I think, and this gets back to that Ray Bradbury story that you know it's, every story is about people. When he writes about ghosts, he's talking about how people are unable to escape what happened in the past. We are all haunted by history, uh, by what has come before us. Not in terms of actual spooky ghosts, but uh, you know, if you go to Germany, they are certainly haunted by the experiences of the 20th century and World War II. If you go to the Middle East, they are haunted by thousands of years of bloodshed. Uh, if you go, you know, if you're traveling around America, they are haunted by you know centuries of injustice. And I'm an American man. I, I'm in the military. I think we've done some of the greatest things in the world, but I I have to be cognizant of the fact that we've done some bad shit too. And I think we're haunted by that. So do I believe in ghosts? No. Do I believe people can be haunted? Absolutely. All righty. Um, the next question is, have you or any of your friends experienced the unexplained? Okay, story time again. I'm, I'll, I'll be doing this a lot. You'll notice I answer. We, we like stories. We like stories. We do. We <laughs> I like answer stories. questions with stories a lot. Um, we're, we're all writers, so we make the best stories. So please, Sorry, go ahead. time. Everybody get your fleshies and warm This isn't a good story. It's just a anecdote. That's a better word for it. Um, I, I used to work at a base uh, in Texas that had this really spooky control tower. Yeah. And uh, it was one of those. Everyone's been in one of these buildings. People say it's haunted. You know, the, uh, the drawers open all by themselves sometimes. You know, so. It's it, kind of a fun pastime to claim that you saw the ghost. Um, hasn't happened to me yet, uh, but uh, I've had friends do it. So that's it. That's kind of, yeah. <laughs> story. <laughs> story's over. Sorry. Womp womp. Yeah. It wasn't me. It was the spooky ghost. It was a lot of build up to uh, not very good payoff there. Alrighty. Uh, then maybe we can pay off with this next question that I'm sure the abyss is going to be really excited to hear um do you think twilight has the cutest butt you know i i, I i'm gonna defer on that question just because they're all really the same at least in terms of the cartoon they're just different colors i will say i do like lavender as a color they all have different things on them too so that's true they have okay granted they have different ornaments. They're think of them like a Christmas tree, but they're all different colors, and it's not racist to say that. I don't know. Let's, let's go with Twilight then. She wins. I like Yay. how I like how Luna looks like she sat in ink. Yeah, she's got a unique one in that respect. Alrighty. Um, who is best pony, dragon, or whatever for you? Mm, 
I'm going to say rarity. And, uh, really? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, and the reason I say that is because rarity is my favorite pony. She's the best pony because really she's the worst pony. Um, <laughs> yes! I'm sorry, go on, please. Okay, think about, and we're just going to talk about the main six here. Uh, if you think about what, what characterizes them, uh, it's something good. Uh, for the most part, when we just think off the top of our head, what do we think about Twilight Sparkle? Oh, she's smart. She's nerdy. Uh, she knows stuff. Uh, she, she's friendly. Uh, Pinkie Pie. Oh, she laughs. She's you know, really friendly. Uh, she tries to make everyone smile. Fluttershy. She's shy, but she takes care of people. Rainbow Dash. She's that athlete. But then you get to Rarity. What, what do we think of when we get to Rarity? Uh, well, she's kind of, you know, vain and, uh, whoa. You know, she, she's the elements of generosity, but sometimes she acts kind of selfishly, very prideful, very whiny. She is the only one of the main six that is really defined by what we would characterize, characterize by what we would call, yeah, uh, you're going to hear that more often, uh, what, you're, what we'll call character flaws rather mm. than virtues. Everyone else, you define them by what's good about them, but rarity is different. We define rarity by what is bad about her, and you know, the others are interesting characters. Too, because oh, despite their virtues, they sometimes fuck up. Rarity is a great character because despite her flaws, she still is a great person. She still overcomes her flaws and manages to be good. And that just, it gives her more options, I think. She's much more interesting to write just because I could, oh, you could write all day about Rarity just because she's a bad person in a lot of respects, but she manages to do good anyway. Uh, just because she overcomes those flaws. So that is why, top of my list is Rary, uh easily, followed by Twilight Sparkle, just because everyone likes the uh, the nerdy unicorn, Alicorn. No, no, you had it right. <laughs> just saying. Anyway. <laughs> um, not, to, not to continue that topic too much, but I'm actually kind of curious with the mm -hmm. way that you said that. Would you say that a character that is defined by their right. flaws is yes. inherently better developed, better designed than a character that is defined by their virtues. Absolutely. Uh, when people are developing characters, uh, it's kind of a it's kind of a newbie mistake to say that. Oh, my character is great at the following things. They know magic. They're the best magician ever. They're you know red and black mane. They're they're an alicorn. You know, we love to define characters, especially if we're new to this, by what makes them great, what sets them apart. Literally uh, and, yeah, and new readers are the same way, um, by the way. New readers, uh, people who, <clears throat> who maybe are not the most sophisticated readers, they want to read about that red and black alicorn who just has you know, all their powers combined kind of stuff, and he just romps through the world without any trouble. But as writers get better and as readers get more sophisticated, they start to look for, frankly, more realistic stuff. Um, they, they want to read more about humans. Uh, in their work, even if they are in the shape of ponies. And that means uh, that they want to write about people with flaws. Because a character who overcomes a flaw is much more interesting than a flawless character who just happens to walk their way to victory uh, without any difficulty. So I, absolutely, if you're designing a character, if you're a writer, uh, the first thing you think of a character when you're designing your character should be what flaws does this person have and how does that affect them? Wow, that's that's really educational, man. We're turning into, we're getting really educational right now. So let's let's break from that. Okay. Uh, would you rather have ponies the size of house cats or houses the size of ponies? House cats, well, we have, not houses. We have houses the size of ponies. They're called doll houses. Um, no, no, ha house cats the size of. My ponies. bad. 
Hats. This, well, we have those too. We call them tigers. Um, Yay! <laughs> so I'm gonna say I'd rather have how, uh, horses the size of ponies, the size of cats, because that would be something new. And you can keep them as a pet. You can have them in your house. Um, whereas you, you know, we can already have cats in our house, and uh, you know, your mileage may vary there. Wouldn't that wouldn't that be kind of bad to like have this pony in our house as like a pet? Like oh, it, no. it is sentient and it knows what's going on. Oh, like a like an actual like a My Little Pony pony. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay, I gotcha. Uh, yeah, well, that certainly adds a a moral twist to the question. Now, now I feel kind of bad for them. Um, <laughs> Why does oh, the They're ponies. You know, it's why just does... my little dashy or anything. That didn't. Oh my god, stop! Oh my god, stop! Okay, why, why does I'm gonna tell Rob you brought that up. I'm gonna tell Robbie Cakes you did that. Okay. Why doesn't Why doesn't Anon let me walk outside? Well, why? Why doesn't Anon take me out for a walk? This isn't a joke. I'm yeah. just asking. Oh, oh. Expecting to go... oh. From yeah, from my little dashy's perspective, yeah. No, Rob's a great guy, but that story really kind of. Kind of the way he hates it, the amount of hate he has for that story is one of my favorite things about Rob. We've he, we've had Rob on quite a few times. He's Rob, okay. My pizza's here. Robbie Cakes. Robbie Cakes is my doll. I love him yep. to death. And he's gonna write a story with me, aren't you, Rob? Anyway. All right. All right. So uh, so yeah, let's let's go with no ponies the size of house cats if they are sentient. That's that's crossing a line. Alrighty, then let's move down to some questions from Tony Montana. Mm -hmm. And the first question that he has from him is, what is the first story on film fiction that you read and really liked? I'm actually going to go earlier than that. Uh, I would, you know, I joined the before film fiction existed. So I'm going to, and I don't remember what story on film fic I read, read first. Uh, I do remember what story period I read first that I really liked, and that was The Storm by Kitts. Uh, it was uh, back on EQD, uh, Equestria Daily. It was one of the six-star stories back then. And that was the first story I really read, and I was like, okay, there's some actual authorship going here. This, this is a well-crafted story that has literary merit. Uh, by today's standards, it doesn't hold up as well. It, it would probably not be rated as well. But back then, the fandom was very young. We just had a lot of these authors. It was you know, writing their first stories in a lot of cases. And I think uh, The Storm was one of Pitts' first stories, though she's been around much longer than I have. Uh, and when I read it, I was like, okay, this is really good. That was my first impression. And my second thought was, I, I think I could do something like this. I think I could write a story about with this level of uh, you know characterization, expression, and quality. And it was a six-star rated story, which meant that it was one of the top in the fandom. But even back then, just getting your story on EQD was considered like the, uh, the Nobel Prize of pony writing, just the ability to get a story posted uh, in 2011 or so. So I was like, okay, I can do this, I can do this. And I wrote uh, Made in Flight uh, on the 4th of July, I remember, because Kind of a, it's an auspicious date if you're an American. Uh, and I submitted it and it got approved and that's how it all started. Well, cool. Um, let's see, the next question is actually for the cast. So I'm gonna direct this at, at everyone. Um, why in the world do we keep kidnapping authors like Colt and are we for hire to take care of some unpleasants? Well, first of all, if we're going to hire anyone, we all know that Priest is for sale. 
but his price has gone up a lot because he's getting more and more talented the more I sell him. Okay. Well, Crazy notes here. Hold on now. I still have him for those two weeks. We we haven't I finished know, that you trade. I know for two weeks. We agree. There is a good trade. Um, Enigma is very good at just annoying people until they leave. So if you want your enemies to leave, you can always hire Enigma to make them really frustrated about life. Um, you can always hire me to yell at you and make you cry, or unless you get off to that, in which case, I guess, kudos to you. And you can hire Milk to try to keep people in line and then quietly sigh in a grandfatherly sort of way and seem disappointed with everything in general that you've done in your life choices. Is that about cover it? I, I think so, but now I'm really starting to wonder what I'm doing with my life. And now, now it's time for Milk to shake his head at you and sigh quietly about how you are failing at your everything in life. I do that every day. See? Oh, boy. This is who we are. <sighs> and as far as kidnapping people, um, we kidnap them because it's much easier than being nice. Though we've been very nice to Gardaz. We've been very kind to him, much kinder than we are to most people. I'm shocked I haven't called him shit once. God, what am I doing with my life? I think we actually, I think we actually gave you a sandwich this time. Anyway, uh, anyway, the next question for Cold is, where did you get the idea for your username? Oh, Cold and Gardez, okay. Um, Gardez, uh, as I'm sure uh, maybe two or three other people on Earth know, is a small city in Afghanistan. Uh, it was the place I spent my first year-long deployment uh, when I was in Afghanistan. And it's pretty high up in the mountains on the uh, the Pakistani border in the, the eastern part of Afghanistan. It's very cold in the winter, uh, like exceptionally cold, like colder than I've ever been in my life. Um, it's so cold that uh, I, I learned new things about myself, like I don't like the cold. Uh, I learned that uh, those little mustard packets that you like put on your hot dogs, you know, the little plastic packets, yeah. if you leave them outside, they can freeze solid. I did not know that. Wow. Uh, I learned that uh, other foods that you would not think of being capable of freezing, like muffins, can freeze solid if you leave them outside. Uh, they turn into rocks. Uh, it was very cold in Afghanistan. And what I'm trying to get, get down to is I was very cold, and I didn't like it. And it, it kind of colored my impressions of life afterwards. Anytime you deploy, it changes you. And uh, certainly deploying for a year to Afghanistan changed me in a lot of ways. but. The, the humorous kind of toss away one was that I just didn't like being cold. So uh, the username I started using around that time, and it was actually back on like uh, uh, YouTube originally, was uh, Cold and Gardez. And when it came time to sign up for a uh, author name on EQD, that was the one I used, and I've just kind of stuck with it ever since. Cool. Um, the next question is, uh, was there ever a point in any of your stories that you considered dropping it, but pushed on through due to fan support or because you needed a certain section to connect or to be a more enjoyable part of the story? Uh, yes. And now, I should caveat that by saying that if you're ever at a part in your story that you're like, okay, I just got to slog through this to get to the good part, you really need to consider just cutting that part out. Uh, it, it, chances are... You can summarize it. You can a lot. You can allude to it in the next section. You probably don't need to write that section. Uh, if if you're convinced that you do, then you need to figure out why it's so important. Take that kernel of a good idea out and put it somewhere that it deserves to be, not just like you know, those that kind of scene that you just have to slog through out of a sense of obligation. And to answer the actual question, yeah, all the time. Um, 
Uh, Salvation is my longest story so far. It is a mature fic, uh, so be careful searching for it. Uh, But it took something like three years to finish writing. Uh, Just for one thing, because I kept getting distracted and writing other stuff. But uh, because I would come to hard parts, I've written myself into a corner. I don't know what to do with these characters. You know, a normal character in this situation would just walk away. Uh, but obviously that's not going to, that, that doesn't help my story. I can't just have them all go home. They need to stay together and work their way through this problem. So, uh, a lot of frustration like that. So yeah, salvation constantly, every other chapter, it felt like I was having to just fight myself to get through it, which is why it took so long. But, uh, the happy ending there, I guess, uh, I did get through it. I finally, uh, figured out how to finish that story in a reasonably coherent manner. And uh, I'm pretty happy with it. It's one of my favorite stories. Great. Uh, is there anything that you regret not writing? Yeah, there's. I mean, I, I won't say regret not writing yet because I could still go back and write it. Uh, it's possible. I haven't you know, quit the fandom or anything. There's always but, hope. Yeah, there's always hope. But there are stories that I've plotted out and I've told people, hey, I'm going to write this story. And they're like, yay, can't wait. And then I never wrote it. Um, and those would be uh, my Wind Thief sequel. Uh, Wind Thief was one of the first uh, uh, Skyrim crossovers way back in 2011. Uh, it, was one of, it was my first really popular long-form story. Uh, and I said afterwards, like, yeah, sequel coming out soon. And that was like 2012. So <laughs> uh, here we are four and a half years later. I've actually written a fair amount of it. If I go into my something like 30,000 words, of the sequel written, but, and this was my mistake. I plotted the story out really well. Like I have a whole outline for this thing. It's long, like, like it's like standing at the base of Mount Everest and being like, okay, uh, that's the top. We just need to get there. Like it's just demoralizing to look at how much stuff you have to write for this story. And it was the first time I'd ever really outlined my way through something. And I don't think I ever am again because that is the fastest way to convince myself not to write is to lay out exactly what it's going to take. I'd rather just kind of take it a day at a time, a chapter at a time and uh, finish it that way. That's interesting because not everyone works that way. A lot of people really like Mm -hmm. their outlines. I I absolutely encourage them. If outlining works for you, I mean to do it. But for me, I've tried them and they're just not the most effective thing. I I do. Good. I said I would recommend, though, that mm-hmm. if you're going to start a long story, uh, mm-hmm. have, an, have an ending in mind before you start. Because yeah. chances are, if you don't have something you're working towards, your story won't have any direction. So. That's there absolutely true. Uh, I will say that uh, for short stories, uh, you know, under 10,000 words or so, uh, outlining is perfectly fine. Uh, it's when you start those kind of epic novel-length stories that, for me, the outline starts to become a, a bit of a problem. Fair enough. Um, the next question is, were there any episodes that just totally destroyed your headcanon? Uh, yeah, the one where the Cutie Mark Crusaders got their Cutie Marks, I was like, uh, I, I, I mean, I can see why they had to do that, uh, because kids gotta go up sometimes, right? But yeah. I, I, re- I really like the Cutie Marks as just these, no, sorry, you're gonna live in frustration for the rest of forever. Uh, I thought they were a lot more fun. And you can tell the show's writers are trying to kind of recapture that by making the CMC, these, uh, like, oh, we'll help other people find their cutie marks kind of thing. But that's just not as compelling uh, to me. It's not. Um, 
it, it takes yeah. away from the idea of finding your purpose. So they're yeah. going to grow up to become school counselors. Mm. The other one, and uh, it was a comedy episode, and it was in season six, so it had to happen eventually. But that was when we saw Fluttershy's family uh, and Flutterbutter. Uh, good episode, uh, yeah. but it destroyed the headcanon I had that, Par that Pegasi really don't have strong family bonds. Um, before that episode, we never saw any family members for any of the Pegasi. Uh, we saw Rainbow Dash's maybe dad in one episode when she was really tiny. But compared to every other character in, in this, uh, I'm going to say that word a lot, character, compared to every one of the main six, uh, we never saw families for Rainbow Dash and Fluttershy. We saw Twilight's brother, her surprise brother. Uh, we saw her parents. Uh, we see Rarity's, she already has a sister. Uh, we see her parents, uh, Pinkie Pie, we see her family, and the Cakes, who are basically her family. Applejack, the, uh, Applejack, the fourth that comes to mind when you think of her is, oh, family and dead parents. But then you get the, <laughs> and apples. And apples, 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 apples. Then you get to the, the Pegasi, though, Rainbow Dash, and you're like, oh, man, well, maybe she just doesn't visit her family very much. And Fluttershy, we, we didn't have any inkling that she had a family for the first six seasons. Uh, so the Pegasi really stood out. Scootaloo was an orphan, as far as we knew. She lived under a bridge. Um, it wasn't until that one episode where we kind of saw her in a, in a house, maybe? She, she had a bedroom somewhere. Yeah. Like, we still haven't seen her parents, and apparently she's adopted Rainbow, uh, for lack of a real one. So for six seasons, I was able to kind of get away with the conceit that Pegasi just didn't do well with families. You know, they kind of... They grew up and they left the nest like birds, and that was it. They never, you know, baby birds never come back to the nest. They just don't. We also, uh, learned, that, yeah, we, we also learned that Fluttershy's father is Mr. Rogers. Yeah, I, I still can't get over his hairstyle. It, it just doesn't sit well with me. It's like either raspberry uh, frozen yogurt or a poo, and I can't decide which <laughs> It can be all of them. All yeah. of them. So, uh, so for years, I liked to write that, that Pegasi in general just didn't have strong family bonds. They just didn't do it. Uh, and then that story came along and kind of killed it for me. Or that episode came along and killed it for me. One of our um, viewers in the chat said, does that mean you would say that Pegasus are flighty? Flighty? I, I have used that in my stories a few oh times. Lord. Oh, my I'm God. I'm not ashamed to admit it. You should not be. We, never be we have another punster in here. This is, a, this is a place for puns. It is. Alrighty, uh, now we got some fun questions. Um, mm -hmm. Scientifically speaking, how long is a okay. New York minute? You know, I saw that in the forum, and I've heard the phrase before. Like, I've heard people say it, but, I mean, I guess it means it's quick. Like, yes. it's not like, a, like a country mile is really long. A country mile just goes on forever. So I guess a New York minute is really fast. Yes, a blink of an eye. That's it, yeah. But, but that, that's all I got. I, I got nothing else for you there. Never really been there. All right. Approximately, what is Celestia's weight? I've gone back and forth on how much ponies weigh. Um, in some of my early stories, I was treating them more like, you know, so I had Rarity weighing like 300 or something. It was a comedy, so it was fun. Right. Uh, now, now I think the show has kind of definitely evolved to the fact that we know ponies are pretty tiny. Um, or at least they're not like pony. You know, the ponies we think of as ponies. They're, they're a little. little. They're, 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 they're more in the human weight range. Uh, 
And again, that gets back to what I always say, stories about ponies are stories about people. If you can make something similar to human experience, you might as well. So I'd rather have characters that weigh about as much as a human than characters that are extremely heavy. Now, Svastia, granted, she's like a giant among uh, ponies. So I don't know. I would say she weighs twice as much to compare with regular ponies as, you know, uh, a, a just mass. She weighs twice as much as the regular pony. Think of that way. Yeah. I, uh, All right. I found a way to get around the whole height issue thing without going into like metrics. And how yeah. did you do that, Enigma? I said, I, for instance, let's say we're describing Applejack in the story. Twilight, Twilight would look at her and say, oh, this, she's, Applejack is four apples high. Mm. I hope not. That's tiny. Well, that's really tiny. Yeah. I'm saying for an example. For an example. Your examples are shit. It's apple teeny. Maybe they have more apples. <laughs> She's apple teeny. Good job. Alrighty. Uh, the next question is, uh, why did Luna create all those craters on the moon and just how? Why? You know, I'm more of the theory that she was she wasn't really on the moon, so to speak. Uh, I think the show's creator said that she was like asleep or something, some kind of really you know, a, a dodge, basically, to try to explain why she wasn't tormented for a thousand years. Uh, I, I, I'm fine with that. I prefer to think that she was trapped and really just kind of suffered in silence. I do like the suffering. I'm, I, I'm absolutely fine with that. But I don't think she just spent her time walking around on the moon. I, I've never been of that school of thought. All right. You just say, I, I like the suffering because... We can, if we can get that as a soundbite, I think that's characters, a good character. Character, I'm going to keep saying it. Yeah. Characters need to suffer. Your the, your characters need to suffer. Uh, if, you, if your characters are not suffering, you're not doing your job as a writer. That is how you drive conflict and how you drive plots. You make them suffer. Sweet. Well, we like making others suffer here, don't we? Yeah, we're all having a great time. <laughs> Yeah, Let's see. <laughs> is it all right? Next question: Is it wrong that so hmm. many within the fandom have added dimension to Cadence, giving her status as Princess of Love to also mean the Princess of Sex? I'm fine with that. I mean, I think you have to you have to recognize that the the titles we get and the characters we get in the show are they they really are designed for you know you know nine to twelve year old girls. Uh, but obviously, most of us, at least, are not 9 to 12. We're actual adults. And that means we're allowed to interpret these characters through adult lenses, if we so choose. Our ponies are allowed to have uh, regular lives, and that includes sex lives. So I'm not opposed to that characterization. I'm not sure that uh, uh, pony society would explicitly call her the princess of sex. I'm sure it would be something more, you know, you know, kind of a wink and a nod. Like, she's the princess of love and romance and fertility or something like that and you can just you know connect the lines yourself fair enough let's see uh now that twilight has become an alicorn who will be larson's next victim dun, dun, dun. well hmm. there, there's a catch to this because larson's not with the show oh, oh. yeah so, uh, so he's saying that the new guy's gonna take away things from someone yeah, somebody's going to show up and be like, no wings for anyone! It's going to happen, man. It's going to happen. Try, yeah, who, who's the next character who's going to get uh, 
uh, flanderized, I guess, if you will. We we had it happen to Starlight Glimmer. You know, season six was kind of her season. She went from being, you know, a really interesting villain to basically Twilight Sparkle from season one. Gardez. I think that the new writer for this, how Larson did with Wings, this new writer is going to have a pony inexplicably give birth to a pony out of nowhere. Immaculate conception. The baby. The baby! God damn it. Flurry heart. Like, that's, yeah. that's the thing that has already happened. The little albatross. No, but there's a, there's a theory going around that Fluttershy's pregnant right now, which is why she's having more of an attitude. She seems to put on more oh, weight. Oh, God, and just that more theory. Yeah, that theory. And, it, and it's discords. And it, that it's discords. That's the other thing that goes along with that theory. I well, think that's hilarious. We have well, we... seen that characters kind of spontaneously give birth without apparently notifying anyone of it like uh cadence apparently was pregnant for that uh, most of a year and uh the first we heard about it was we got a letter saying hey baby's being born uh the cakes same thing um so that that does seem to be a card that the writers pull out of their back pocket sometimes it's like hey character has a baby uh without the yeah they they probably don't want to show pregnant ponies on screen. Because they I mean, know it's everyone's yeah. fetish. Anyway. Yeah, I'm, I, wonder, I sometimes wonder if there's like a if they have a handbook. Uh, the writers like, okay, here's what we're allowed to talk about. Allowed to talk about. How far can we go in talking about death? Can we have a pet die? Uh, we had that one episode with uh, Rainbow Dash's turtle, where Federation, it was like, oh, yeah. he's going to sleep for the winter, and we're all like, yeah, he's got. He's dead. Um, he's just on. Yeah, he's dead. yeah. There was, was also Applejack. Mm-hmm. There was also oh, Applejack yeah. when Applejack got her cutie mark, and Applejack was like, "We wish our parents were here to see this." Yeah, that'll be, I think, a, a watershed when they come out and they say, "Yeah, mom and dad are dead for Applejack." I no, thought they, one of the writers officially did that, though. They have, but I mean, in the show, right now they've just kind of done this. Oh, I wish they were here with us, kind of thing. Uh. And and that kind of tells you where they consider the line, at least for death. And I think the same thing is gonna be is the case for like uh, you know sex and uh, child. Is they're they're fine with suddenly having babies, but they're not comfortable with any of the stuff before that. So it'll be interesting to see if this story continues. They have to know that their audience is getting uh, as the show progresses. I mean, it's been six years. Uh, audiences will be more comfortable with that sort of thing. So. I mean, we have Dr. Makaris now. Yeah, yeah I'm curious where they're going to go with it. So, gents, we need to pick up the pace a little bit, I'm noticing, because we are dragging. So let's oh. fucking do this. All right. Uh, we got questions from Major Dude now. Um, his first question is, do you like the game Payday 2? Never played it. Uh, not a huge fan of uh, the Payday series in general. Just kind of, I mean, your character basically goes around murdering people. Right. Um, a lot of people. And like I said, I'm not comfortable with stories that are very flippant about mass murder. Uh, I, I think it needs to be taken a little more seriously than games like Payday treat it. I have a lot trouble with a lot of games that just have you casually killing uh, great numbers of people. Alrighty. Uh, the next question is, a story of your choice became so popular that a celebrity gave a review of it. Uh, who would it be and what story? Hmm. President Obama. Wonderful. I mean, I mean you, you might as well just, you know, aim large, right? You might as well just yeah. go for the top. 
Which story? Uh, I'm going to go with, I'm going to actually say one of the stories because anyone who says they want someone to read their 10,000 word epic or 100,000 word epic, uh, they're, they're in for a problem because that, that, that shit's going to take a while. I'm going to say The Destruction of the Self, which was about well, 4,000 words or so. Something that a person could conceivably read in an hour and people would stick around to listen to it. Oh, man. I, I, can, I can already see it now. Uh, the next question is, uh, do, you know what's, do you know that story where that guy gets stuck in a mansion with his wife and son and he goes crazy and tries to kill them, but they escape and he freezes outside the bed? Yes, he's talking about The Shining. I may have read that. Okay, that's all we need to know about that. It's The Shining, for those who didn't know that that story is. Thank you. The, sh the Shining? The, the Shining. The Shining. There's the, much Shining. The Cringing. Uh, <laughs> who is your favorite non-pony in the show? Uh, you know, there's not many choices there. Uh, I guess I'm going <clears> to <throat> go Ember. with uh, And now not Ember. Yeah, because uh, Ember's shit Enigma, and she doesn't have tits, because dragons don't have tits, you little piece of crap. Anyway. Uh, I didn't find Ember all that interesting, to be honest. She's not interesting. Sorry. It wasn't much there. Uh, I'll go with Spike. Uh, not because I'm a huge Spike fan, though I do like Spike. I like Spike. Uh, I think there's, there's a lot of, uh, uh, opportunity there when you're, when you got Spike as one of your characters. But, yeah, if the show wants to add more interesting non-ponies... I don't know if we can be friends anymore. <laughs> We, we as a podcast do not endorse Spike to be president of the Equestrioverse. Oh. Uh, right. I, well, I, don't, I don't endorse Spike to be alive, so you know fucking what? Okay. Well, if I can soothe your feelings, remember I said I like to write Spike, but I also like my characters to suffer. So Spike does often suffer in my stories. Does that help? Yes, it does. Because Spike oh. suffers in literally 98% of my stories. So There we go. <sighs> Okay. Now we're going to go to some questions from Bendy, who was remarkably tame this time around. That's probably my fault. I know. Bendy was so gentle. Thank you, Bendy. Um, would you, if you know or did know, do a magic trick in front of Twilight Sparkle just to see her reaction? Uh, I would play piano in front of her, just because I'm pretty sure she couldn't do that. You know, the hooves and stuff. Just slam like the hooves down that's, on the keys. That's got to be like magic to ponies. I, I don't know. Coloratura did it. Remember? She played the piano. Yeah. I think they got like, they're cheating somehow. I've got to say, if I, I would be totally willing to do bad, like dad magic tricks in front of Twilight. You know, like, what's that in here? Look, it's a coin. Like shit like that. And I would just do that to see if she would just be like, wow, I didn't know humans could do magic. It'd be fun. I would have a great time just doing stupid ass shit pencil but no there's gonna be the situation where you're like falling off a building and she's not gonna help you because she assumes <laughs> you can just help yourself with your magic well i guess it's time to die that'll be fine now i now i have a urgent need to take the the video of coloratura and then try to do like realistic hoof slapping on a piano <laughs> overlaid over her actually singing the song I can't <laughs> that. that sounds wonderful i would love that uh, second question. What do you suppose Princess Celestia's mane feels like? That's an excellent question, actually. Uh, you know, I think the comics have done the whole thing like it's really kind of pink hair uh, when it's not all sparkly and glowy. 
So I'll just I'll just go with that. But it is kind of amusing to imagine that she's just basically bald, and there's just a light show going on there. Uh, so anyone who actually touches her or anything on like a hat or something, it's like there's nothing there. That is pretty amusing. Same thing with her tail. Alrighty. Uh, next question. Would you show Princess Luna the human moon landing, and what do you think her reaction would be? Mm, I, I think it would be the same as in I mean, that's hard to quantify, obviously. Uh, I, I feel real stupid just answering this question because I'm trying to uh, figure out what a uh, pre-industrial society magical fucking horse would think of the moon landing. Uh, maybe she'd be impressed. Let's put it that way. Let's just improvise. I, I would love to have her like look at this and just look at this and be like, why are you going there? Yeah, why, why there's are you nothing there. Going there. It's like, terrible. There's no food there. You're going to the wrong what? place. There's no video games. Or they, or she would look right at like the people and she'd be like, "What did those men do to you that you sent them there?" <laughs> what did they? Oh, what did they do? She has fucking tears as she says this. Yeah, why? That's actually a good way of doing it. She looks, she's sad for them. She's sad for the astronauts. I want to write this story. Luna's sad for the astronauts. Hey, don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry, Luna, they're coming back. Yeah, in a thousand years. That's what the rest of you told me. Oh, man. I'm, I'm writing down this story idea. I might write this this weekend. The fact that you think you get dibs on this story is amazing, Priest. What? Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You already got dibs on a story recently from me about Maud. Yeah, it's true. Is, true. Luna, is Luna threatening Houston to bring them back? I could totally see it being like, I will go champion them and fly to the moon and take them home. Oh, God. There's so much you could do with that story. It'd be fun. That'd be fun. That is so stupid. I love it. It'd be fun. Anyway. All righty. Now we got some questions from the Displacer of Equestrias. Mm. Um, oh, yay. That first question. Let's do it. Let's see how this goes. Out of those in the podcast, who who is commonly shipped with pencil? Who is commonly shipped? No, no, no. It said who who does he ship with me? Oh yeah, who do you ship with pencil? Wow, just let's all not jump in on that question. Gardez, he's asking you a question. Who do you ship? Oh, with that was aimed at me. Okay. Yeah, uh, that was my question. <laughs> Figured it was for the others in the. Uh... So I used. To... I used to do this thing back in the EQD free reader chat. I would write these really, uh, really shippy, uh, you know, little snippets of the different uh, uh, free readers. You know, basically uh, kind of semi-erotic uh, encounters with each other. And so not fun. everyone liked it, so I kind of got away from that. But well, I no, thought it was so much fun to do. Yeah, no, keep doing that. That's always really fun. <laughs> it can be fun, but invariably you get to that, and then it has to stop. So that, uh, that's something I haven't done much lately. So uh, I, I try not to ship my friends with uh, other friends unless they ask for it. <gasps> We're your friends? You don't have to answer that question. Don't, don't, don't worry. Don't worry. No stress. We're, we're terrible people. It's fine. All right. We'll go to another question here. I guess I'm shooting uh, me with me today. I love this. 
pencil pencil ship. No, no. I, yeah, it's a pencil ship. We're doing this. Uh, the next question is, if you became immortal, what's the probability mm -hmm. of getting stuck in a cave, followed by a cave-in, and your flesh is rotting away, yet you're still alive? Uh, hopefully zero. That's fair. That's, that's, yeah. that. that's entirely fair. Just next. I, I don't got anything more for you there. Sorry. It's fine. No, short answers are fine. We do some rapid-fire ones on occasion. Um, have you ever played any of the Paper Mario series, is the next question? You know, there was one, I, this has been years, was there a Paper Mario RPG game? No, but there, it was a, there was an RPG, it was called okay, Superstar I'm, I'm thing. Conflating, I'm conflating games. Superstar St Saga, I think? Yeah, I've, I've played that game, and of course I've played Super but I've never, I don't think I've ever played the Paper games. Alrighty. Uh, the next question, uh, what fetishes do you allow in your clop fix, and which ones will you never allow? Mm, okay, so I've written a couple plot picks. Uh, uh, I don't really think of any of them as fetishes, but I mean, if we're honest, I don't think anyone really thinks of their fetishes as being fetishes. They just think of it as normal. No, like, no, you are wrong. You are you know, absolutely okay. wrong. All right, I'm maybe I'm wrong on that case. I don't. <laughs> uh, well, I don't think of any of them as fetishes. I will say, in some of my stories, uh, not the plot picks, actually, just the the regular stories. Uh, I sometimes write Twilight Sparkle as being, I don't want to say aggressively sexual, but sometimes, because she's not, I mean, if you just know her as a character, she's not the kind of person who's, but when she gets in bed with a character, uh, she sometimes uses her teeth more than maybe the other character necessarily likes or wants. Um, <laughs> fighting is totally a fetish, so yes. So that's really the only, I think, fetish I've really engaged in and by the way that scene was in and it, it, this was not a traditional lovemaking scene it was in a dream and the twilight sparkle ripping uh rainbow dash's chest open and eating her heart so not oh also a fetish yeah, yeah like i don't know if you call that fetish or just like is, a really bad isn't that the fetish of the uh, hardcore war yeah, hardcore vor fetish. Like, I mean, see, I don't think that's vor. Vor is kind of like a, it's more like guru. Let's be honest. Yeah, I, this was just uh, Twilight Sparkle is like, okay, I'm just gonna kill my friend here, sex, and yeah, yeah, that's, if, that's if we're being honest, that's probably not a healthy mindset. But that's kind of what that story was about. It was about these unhealthy desires uh, suddenly coming to the forefront. That's 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 fetish. All that's fetish material. Okay. All of it. I'm sure they had a. I'm sure they had a darn Donner good party. Yeah. Wow, you tried so hard. That, that was pretty close. Oh my god. I, I was so sure that her fetish was like uh, spouting statistics while doing it. Okay, well, I, I you may have read Naked Singularity. Or like... That's kind of one of your stories. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and that was I wouldn't go out of fetish so much as just incompetence when it comes to uh writing about sex uh from twilight sparkle's perspective she she didn't quite do it right didn't quite okay, <clears throat> that's, okay. That, that's yes <laughs> let's see uh the next question that this place has is um a question for the full cast actually uh why in the world do we pick on enigma because that's the only effort way he ever gets attention from anyone. So mind me, I'm just looking at the white stuff of this cannoli. 
Hey, cannolis Ooh. are delicious, motherfucker. Didn't I tell you? This, Did not I tell my, you? This is my first cannoli that I'm eating right here. I know, but how good is it? Um, if you say it's bad, I'm gonna punch you in your testicles. So it feels like I'm biting into a cheesecake that's been rolled into an egg roll. Exactly. That is that, very, very much how it is. How is any of that bad? There's, I, I have to lick white stuff. There's well, so much of it. Enigma, that's that's good news because that's probably the closest you'll ever get to feeling like what it is like to be in a sexual relationship with a human. So, answering the question of why you're reading to me. <laughs> um, because it came full circle. Enigma makes it very easy for us to be mean to him, and we love him for it, don't we, you dumb little turd? No. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on. All right, next question from Displaced. Uh, what do you think of Displaced as a story genre? Like the whole, and I'm going to try to talk it out here, tell me if I get it wrong. One where people, like, uh, they go to a cosplay thing and they're playing as something and somehow they end up in Equestria as what they were cosplaying? Yes. Mundo. Okay. Uh, hopefully I'm not going to offend anyone here. I oh, really offend dis- everyone. Let's do this. I, I really dislike that genre. You uh, dislike okay. play? Yes. Because, I mean... There's writing a self-insert, and there's intentionally writing a self-insert. Uh, like, that kind of genre just has wish fulfillment. And I'm not a huge fan of reading stories. I mean, we, we talked about escapism earlier and said, yeah, escapism is fine. But I think wish fulfillment of that nature is just taking escapism to probably an unhealthy level. Uh, that's that's my opinion on really the whole displaced in Equestria case, where like, do uh, and tell me if you've read this story before. Dude has a shitty life. He gets in an auto accident. He wakes up in Equestria. Has anyone read that before? I mean, you, you guys know the story oh, I'm talking times, about. Many times, so many yeah. times. I think I think that's half my library. Yeah, I, I, I've read one or two stories like that, and I just really dislike them. Um, I got into huge arguments back in the day. Uh, over the whole, and this was this is a small. Since I woke up in Equestria, the dude who literally commits suicide and wakes up in Equestria. There's not as many of those fix anymore, but they used to be a thing. Yeah. Um, and I just hated that because that's, I mean, there's wish fulfillment, and then there's actually writing out dangerous fantasies. And if we're honest with ourselves, this is a huge fandom. There's more than a couple people in this fandom that are susceptible enough, that have enough problems, that if they read a story about how some dude committed suicide and he ended up in Equestria, they might start getting ideas. So I really got into huge arguments with people who uh, wrote stories like that and treated the concept lightly. And I'm not saying that's what what Displaced is. It absolutely isn't. But it kind of strikes that same chord with me, which is why I'm not a huge fan of it. I completely agree. That's why when there's a lot of suicide kind of comments in some of my work, I always try to work it away as a way of growing stronger than that depression and trying to get around that. Yeah. Um, Priest, you've written a lot about uh, depression and suicide in your stories here and there. Yeah. And you have Um, made light of it before in hilarious fucking ways, might I add. Well, I'm not going to say that I'm a saint. You get a pass for comedy. That, 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 let's just admit that. You can, you can write whatever you want. I mean, Priest, I, I, I can't talk shit to you about that. I wrote a story in which Anon convinces Twilight to help him commit suicide. So, you know, whatever. 
It's uh, all about comedy. Just as a professional note, the Good HAE podcast does not want you to kill yourself. Don't do it. Please don't. Please don't kill yourself. None of you. It, well, in other news, you, but that's okay. In other news, do you role play? Um, I used to quite a bit. Uh, mostly in online. Uh, you guys know what a mud is, right? Multiple. Yes. Uh, before like World of Warcraft came along, there were muds. There was one called Gemstone uh, that I played. Really enjoyed that. Uh, not so much since I stopped playing that, but uh, I used to do like, um, and, and even recently I've done like uh, uh, RPGs over message boards and, and stuff. So I, I guess I still do that stuff, yeah. Cool. Okay, what's... All right, now I'm going to move down to questions from Redshirt. Uh, the first question is, what is your name? I'm just going to stick with Colton Gardez. What is your quest? Oh, it's one of these questions. Okay. Uh, to write the best story. What is your favorite color? Hmm, lavender. Well, there we go. That, that was it. That was, oh, that, that, was, was that, it? Okay. that was the Monty <laughs> Python reference, everybody. Right, well, uh, <laughs> I was so sure you were going to say, from your favorite color, I was so sure you were going to say the color red when it cut off your head in front of your snake cult. No, I should have said Rarity was my favorite color. Damn. Rarity is your favorite color? <laughs> yeah, I, missed that, I missed that chance. Oh, well. It's okay. Um, I will, uh, please, please ask the next question, Priest, so we can specify the answer to it. The, the how the hell? Yeah. How the hell did I book you for this? I didn't. Nope, nope. Um, Priest did not book Colton Gardez. We have to give credit to someone else for that. That's all chapped. High, play, uh, high five, chapped. You did it. Yay. There you go. You said your word. Now go back to your corner. No, I'm kidding. No, don't go back. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, Did Chap plant that question? Is that how that No, came he didn't no. actually, so I would specify. Um, you, you sort of touched on this earlier, but we'll, we'll ask this again. Um, what do you personally <laughs> consider your best work and why? Uh, probably all the mortal remains. Um, story I wrote for one of the first write-off contests I was in, and it just managed to hit a lot of the right notes. Uh, I think it could have been better. Like I look back at it now, and I've got a much better for it, and I wish I could go back and fix it. But the fact is, it's already been read by like eleven thousand people, and if I rewrite it now, uh, like maybe a hundred more will read it between now and the end of time. So it's just not worth the uh, the effort of doing so. But uh, in terms of character development and just the way the plot, I mean, it was just a nice little tightly crafted story. All the pieces fit together perfectly. It was designed from the ground up to be like a mystery, and it really worked well uh, in that sense. So uh, it's been almost two years since I wrote that, but I still think it's one of my best. Awesome. Uh, the next question is from the sane one. What, what is love? What is love? What is love? Literally, read the next part of that, please. Baby, don't hurt it? me. Yeah, it does say, baby, don't hurt me, attached oh, to that question. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, what is love? I don't know. But a, lot, a lot of people smarter than I have have attempted to answer the question. Um, I'll just say love is when you can accept someone for who they are and like them anyway. All right. Like now anyway. <laughs> You guys love me? No, go away. Oh, <laughs> I, I kind of love you. Not really. 
I love that you help me work off stress by making me feel better about my own life. I'm getting a oh. lot of mixed signals here. Well, no, you you, you, you are you are my you are my <laughs> Enigma, you are my Schadenfreude. So I don't speak German. Look it up, sweetheart. Look it up. I don't think I could spell that. I know. Have fun. Now we have a set of questions from Snuffy. Okay. Uh, for, first of all, uh, how much of Naked Singularity was inspired by personal writing experience? Uh, quite a bit, actually. Uh, Naked Singularity, uh, it, for people who haven't read it, it's a comedy about Twilight Sparkle's attempts to write a romance novel. And she's not very good at writing romance novels. Uh, she, she loves to use metaphors and flowery language, but because Twilight is Twilight, uh, she tends to use scientific metaphors which just don't really work so well uh, when you're writing about love. And it was my first really popular story. It was the first one that, like, no kidding, exploded beyond uh, all my expectations. Uh, but a lot of it was written kind of in response to just, yeah, we've all read those uh, kind of romantic ship fix uh, slash erotic stories that they're just not very good. Like, have you guys all read those stories? They're just they're just not so good, but maybe they're popular because they talk to particular characters having sex, and that just happens to be what a lot of people want to read. Yeah. Um, this this story was an attempt to mock that. You know, Twilight Sparkle was my my kind of this is this is an author who is really excited and really enthusiastic, but she doesn't quite have the technical chops to be uh, to be writing a story uh, about romance and eroticism just yet. So she made some mistakes. And uh, we left out a bunch of jokes because back when uh, I wrote that story, uh, we had to make sure it only had a teen rating. We didn't want to give it a mature rating so it would get on EQD. And we left out a lot of great jokes as a result. I feel, I feel like I need to go back and add an additional chapter. Just like, here's all the stuff we wish we could have put in back just then. A, just a joke chapter? I would love yeah. that. That'd be cool. uh, so uh, the one that I remember, uh, so, Twilight Sparkle, because she's a new writer, she makes a common mistake. She writes, um, she she writes herself and her friends into the story as these uh, pretty blatant XBs. Like the main character is Evening Glimmer, a Ponyburg librarian, uh, and she's sent to Ponyburg to discover the joys of romance and sex. And her friend, the White Unicorn Uncommon, and the Blue Pegasus Stallion uh, Prism Slash are her two lovers in this. And uh, at one point, you know, she and Uncommon are uh, engaged in some lovemaking. And, you know, Twilight's just using all these metaphors to describe it. Uh, and the one that we had to take out because it never would have passed muster at EQD was uh, a reference to the double slit experiment. Um, if you're a phys if you if you if you know a little bit about physics, the double slit experiment is this famous quantum mechanics experiment, but it also has some obvious uh, other connotations when you're talking about it in bed. So I wish we could have put that in there, but alas, we were not it. Alrighty, uh, question number two is: Can you tell us about these writing competitions? Or, or in short, oh, plug right the write-off for a second. Yeah, yeah, I, I can plug the write-off. In fact. Uh, Christ, the next write-off starts in 12 hours, so if anyone's interested, Ooh. I'm pulling up the here really quick. Yeah, writing starts in 12 hours. 
uh, for the next write-off. Get um, writing, you flex. Yeah, well, no, you can't. You can't start writing yet. That's the best part. No, you're you're uh, about to though. I'm get, well, get, yeah, get yeah. hyped about it. Uh, the write-off is a rotating competition. Uh, there's a dif different categories. It rotates between short story, which is between 2,000 and 8,000 words, and uh, minific, which is between 400 and 750 words. And they also rotate between pony fics, which are just stories about ponies, and original fiction, which is story, you know, anything except pony fics, basically. Uh, I really like the original fiction because I'm trying to branch out and write more original stuff. But the basic idea is you get a prompt, and in about 11 hours and 45 the prompt for the current round will drop, and we will have 24 hours to write a 750-word story uh, based on that prompt. And then these are all anonymous. No one knows who wrote what story. You're not allowed to put in the story like, you know, by Colden Gardez. It, it has to be anonymous. Then they go into the pool, and everyone judges them, and we figure out who wrote what, and they all get ranked, and you get, you know, medals and stuff and points. It's pretty cool. Uh, it's a great way to improve your writing. So if anyone wants to become a better writer, the write-off is, no kidding, the best way to do that. I, the write-off, uh, you just can't beat it. Uh, the, the competition, the, um, the stress of having to write a coherent story in a limited amount of time, and knowing that you're competing against other good writers, and then also getting feedback from those writers, you know, really great feedback from some of the best writers in the fandom. Uh, it just improves your writing by leaps and bounds. I've come a long way since I joined the write-off. You know, I like to think I was already a pretty good writer when I joined, but I think it's made me a better, more disciplined one as a result. So uh, I'll go ahead and type the, the web address for that in the chat here. I don't know if you guys can do something with that in the uh, podcast or the uh, the YouTube version. But yeah, in we'll do something 12, like that. 12 hours from now, writing will begin. And it's a minific round, an original fiction minific round. So you'll have 24 hours to write up to 750 words about a, about the prompt. And that is a lot harder than it sounds like. Not because it's hard to write 750 words, but because it's hard to squeeze a story into only 750 words. Uh, it's, much, it's easy to write a 5,000-word story. Anyone can do that. But getting a complete, coherent story that tells a, a complete narrative with actual characters uh, in only 750 words is just brutally difficult. Uh, and I don't think people realize that until they give it a try. Yeah, I can vouch for that. First time doing it for me. You go in thinking it's all going to be good to 750 words. It is the hardest thing. And the competition that you're going up against, as you mentioned, some of the best writers on the site, you get amazing feedback. So the trade, so the payoff is, but for someone like me, a new writer, it's, it's hard. It's definitely really hard. The competition, it's great. You get the winners aren't ever really consistent. So many different winners. So many. It depends. So it's it's definitely something I'd recommend. I second everything he's done. It's definitely staunch competition. I've I've even played uh, joined it at times too. And the only time I ever got to place was times when uh, Colt wasn't even participating. And I even <laughs> used the word I, I used the word Afghanistan in the story, and everyone thought I was him. So. <laughs> sorry, man. <laughs> this is my formal apology. I'm sorry. That was not you, intentional. <laughs> you impersonated Golden Carriages accidentally. This is beautiful. Oh, okay. Day made.
Alrighty, the next question. Uh, in season six, what do you think was the best episode? Uh, the one about... Uh, give me two seconds here. It's the one where they went to Manhattan and they had to put that... Uh, uh, maybe it was Philadelphia. I don't know. They went and they had to put together the boutique for Rarity, and uh, the journalist episode. Oh, sweet. Yeah, the journalist episode, the one where they were all in the Denny's at the end. The Saddle Row review. That. Yeah. Yes. The one where they were they all. all... <clears throat> yes. That was were interviewed by uh, Pony J. J. Jonah Jameson. Yes, possibly my favorite episode just of the entire six seasons, right there. It was just perfect. I mean, there's been a lot of good episodes this time. I'm, I'm really happy. I think season six has been one of the better ones in quite some time. Um, but the Saddle Row Review, by far, I mean, it just hit all the right notes. It had a lot of Pinky. I'm not usually a fan of Pinky. Like, I don't dislike her, but I'm not a fan of her brand of comedy, which is just like the crazy sight gags. She had a lot of good stuff. The the devil and the angel rarity that appeared on her angel or on her shoulders in that one scene. Uh, the clone pinky that appeared in the Denny's at the end. I mean, that that episode had it all. Alrighty. Um, oh. Number. F I was oh. gonna say I, I I saw I saw a future question. I got overexcited. I'm oh. sorry. We can okay. <clears throat> Alrighty. Uh, number five. Uh, in a hundred, uh, it says here you get five minutes to write a story about Thimfic, but I'll say in a hundred to two hundred words or less, <laughs> what story has upset you so much on Thimfic you just walked away from it and it actually upset you? And not, I don't know not if I've ever, I don't know if I've ever been really upset by a story. Let me think. I've been mad at stories, <clears throat> certainly. Um, and it kind of goes back to what I was talking about. It's stories that just don't take themselves seriously. Now, if you're a comedy, fine. Don't don't take yourself seriously. That's great. But stories that aspire to be serious but just completely drop the ball on certain aspects. Uh, and I, I I try not to dedicate too much thought to you know failures of you know stories that fail. So none of them really spring to mind, or I should say, none come to mind that I want to name because. That, that would just be mean. Are but, you trying uh, to be nice to people? I'm, I am. I'm trying not to discourage people. But there are writers who just who manage to thrive on the wrong thing, I guess I would say. They, they give their audience what the audience wants without necessarily trying to be a good writer in the process. And I think that's a failure. Oh god, I think we're talking about me. Shit. <laughs> um, Whereas I, I do the opposite. <laughs> Here, take this thing. It's horrible. Love it. So Matt, if you don't upset your readers from time to time, you're I agree. I, I absolutely I... think you should make your readers angry all the time and eventually they'll love you for it. <laughs> so Alrighty. Um, now we got a, a bunch of questions about gender bent alternate universe. Ooh, let's 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 rapid fire some gender bent questions. Here we go. Um, Dusk Shine, Twilight yeah. Sparkles, Rule sixty four. Yes, no. Uh, no. All right. Uh, what about just hanging out, being friends with him? Uh, no, I'm sure he's a cool guy. Uh, I'm fine with that. I I, I don't mean to short circuit. 
was the aforementioned prism slash, the uh, the male rainbow dash, and uh -huh. that was kind of an invention of Twilight Sparkles in her uh, in her aborted attempt at a uh, romantic story. So that's that's the only time I've ever written any of the characters in a blatantly, uh, I guess, gender bent fashion. Okay. Right. Right. Sorry. It's okay. Oh. That's funny. Oh no, it's cool. Um, we we've got other questions here too. Okay. Uh, we've got questions from someone. Uh, there's this guy called Chat Penguin Lips. Mm. Oh my god, he's such a Such a fucking twit. Little. Hey, you be nice to him. What is wrong with you? Yeah, only we can make fun of him. Watch your language. Oh yeah, only you. Thinks he's a good writer. He's oh. terrible. <laughs> I heard he likes getting his toes sucked. Oh god. Moving on. <laughs> it's time to stop. We're not doing this today. Yeah, next. 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 Alright, uh, question number one for Cold. Uh, <laughs> oh, excuse me. You are a phenomenal writer, oh, but okay. you're also quite the artist. <clears throat> like, seriously, quite the artist. Like, totally. Which do you enjoy more? And what one can you do that the other can't? What um, can one do that the other can't? The other can't, yeah. Uh, I think I probably enjoy writing. Well, I really enjoy drawing or painting, but I recognize that I'm not as good of a drawer or a painter as I am at, at a writer. Uh, like I, I'm, I'm not trying to you know self-aggrandize here, but I'm pretty near the top of the field, at least on Tintic, in, in terms of writing. In terms of painting, absolutely not. I like I, I'm a rank amateur when it comes to that, and I, I know a couple shortcuts, ways to fake it so something looks good without actually being good. Uh, and it's fun sometimes to just try to get an idea down in a visual form rather than in a written form. But uh, I, I think uh, you accomplish a lot more by uh, by writing it. If you write a story that's say 10,000 words or whatever. Uh, and you get a thousand people to read it, they're going to spend maybe 20 minutes or so. That's a thousand people spending 20 minutes reading a story. So 20,000 minutes, if you will, of involvement. If you draw a pretty cool painting, uh, how long are people going to look at that? Maybe 10 seconds each? How, how, when you're looking at the draw friend, Donnie, we don't spend too much time focusing on any given picture. The, the level of individual involvement is much lower. So even though more people may see it, it doesn't make as much of an impression on them. So I think if you're trying to change the way people think, then you want to write something. If you just want to uh, give people a cool image then uh, or a cool thought, then maybe drawing is the way to go. Or sometimes you just want to draw on, draw on uh, Ellis Norton. Yeah, yeah, something like that. I see, I see uh, uh, Penguin Lips linking all these things, but I've lost the... Uh, <laughs> I can't find the chat for them. It's, he, he's just getting it, excited about the art. Okay. Alrighty. Um, let's move to another question. We already went over your favorite story. Ooh, so, so I like the next one. Here we go. So chat asks the question that, of course, initiates every guest. Oh, and sorry. now he's back. No, it's no, fine. No, I'm sorry. I'm, sorry. I'm clicking around Discord trying to... Just, just, it's okay. Don't worry. No need, it's no all need. right. No worries. Chap later. just wants to know if you'd go gay for Brayburn. Uh, probably. I don't know. Never met him. You're in the military. So don't ask. Don't tell. 
Hey, oh, it doesn't whoa, that's whoa. not here anymore. Where have you that's, been, Enigma? That has so been uh, withdrawn. You're allowed to be uh, gay or lesbian. It's okay. You can be gay. Yeah. Let's see. Um... Now that now that Enigma is done being bigoted, let's move on. <laughs> let's see. Uh, right, the next question. Mexican. Wow. <laughs> You no, say as I'm eating a Mexican pizza. Wow, Enigma. Wow. No, wow. Number four. Number four. <laughs> you have three <laughs> stories written, chapter calls, and you could be wrong, where you've actually written straight, like, clop. And it's that not smart by any means, but it is it is sex. Yes, when in the story... That's true. Go ahead. No, go ahead, finish your question. When in the story you. is explicit sex warranted, or did you just want to do it? Uh, kind of both. Uh, I mean, I think if you're going to a story that has explicit sex, you probably need a better reason than just, uh, I'm writing an explicit sex story. I mean, I, I try to never write just straight, you know, pornography, if you will. And I, I don't think I'm really a clop off chance. I've written 38 stories as of yesterday, of which three of them, you know, have explicit sex in them. But Whenever I do that, it's because, you know, when I write, I'm trying to, you know, express some aspect of humanity, and I think sex is a big part of that. So before I wrote my first uh, clop story, Salvation, you know, I, clop story, probably a bad term for it. Before I wrote my first mature story, uh, I'd never even kind of tried to uh, approach that aspect of humanity, and I, I just figured, you know what, it, it's time to give it a go, and it worked out reasonably well. And the two other stories I've written since then have been kind of in the same vein. Um, in the Garden of Good and Evil has a lot of sex in it. I would not characterize that as a clop story, though. If you go into it with that mentality, you're in for a surprise at the end. Okay. Alrighty. Uh, the next question. Um, <laughs> you've been kidnapped by Octavia, and she's locked you in her basement. How do you escape? You know, I saw that question in the forum thread, and I got no idea, man. That's that's a good question. Would you, you escape? Would you, you want play? to? What I want here's to. That, here's how you uh, do it. Oh, no, shush. Enigma, oh. shush. No, shush, shush. How do I escape a basement with an enigma? What? Oh, well, if he's there with me, then you guys have heard the... Me he figured out how to escape Mexico. Well, you don't have to be faster <laughs> than the bear. You just have to be faster than your friend. It's so, true. So I think there's some possibility there. So wait a second. You're saying you would escape a basement by using Enigma to distract her. Well, I mean, I, is he volunteering for this? No, know. probably not, but does that matter? Well, well, I do like Octavia, so... Oh, he might be volunteering. Yeah. Oh, it's just like, hey, I'll, I'll let you guys you know, do your thing. I'll leave you two alone. All right, well... Enigma, it sounds like you've got a friend who's willing to sacrifice you in the name of getting away, but also, you know, you get to be around Octavia. Does that yeah. suck? It's a win-win. Yeah. Everyone All right. Wins. Chaps, you need to ask number six. Yeah, chaps. I, I this is my desperate dive for uh, maybe having something talented on my resume. Uh, so hey, good job. Chap, what the shit? Uh, did he really just? He wants to know if you'll collab with him. 
Oh, sorry. I, his, the volume was really low. I couldn't quite. Uh, I don't do collabs. Uh, I did one way back in the day, and it just didn't work out very well for me. So ever since then, I've kind of uh, shied away from that. Uh, Shut that the venue. fuck down! Oh, sorry. take that, chat. And Chap's heart grew three sizes that and day, only to shatter into a million pieces. From heart disease, probably. Anyway. We need that video of those guys going, ah! Yeah, that's seriously how I feel right <laughs> now. It's like that Simpsons where, uh... I don't know, that, maybe that dated me. That was a long, that, was, that episode was a while ago. Simpsons did it. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Alrighty, uh, now we got some things from Explosions. Explosions! Oh. Oh my god, explosions ask some questions. Um here we just, go. Don't don't take these too seriously, Cole, because explosions <laughs> ask these questions to everybody. Um first question is what's the worst thing you've ever done? Oh yeah, I I, I read this in, in the Like form. if you if you ever accidentally pierced your friend's nipple because you were drunk once or some shit, that's what we're looking for here. No, haven't haven't been there yet. Yet. Worst thing yes. I've ever done. I don't know. I think everyone does stuff that they're not proud of. Obviously, that they've uh, they've screwed up in the past. Uh, certainly, Christ, I I've made plenty of mistakes, uh, both in my military career and uh, just as a human being growing up. So I, I'm not going to explicate any of them. Sorry to disappoint there, but uh, yeah, yeah, we've all screwed stuff up. All right. Alrighty. Uh, Explosion's next question is, uh... You use the nerd voice. You have to use the voice when you say it. Not to sound rude, but I've never heard of you before. Mm. I, I know it may be a little late for this, but could you give me, like, a little background as to who you are? Thank you. Sure. Sure. I'm, I'm a military brony. I, uh, I feel like we should have asked this question at the start of the podcast. <laughs> right? Yeah, would have been a good intro. Um, Too late, though. Instead, we had talked about life and death. So. Yeah. Well, we so I'm a military. Um, I'm, I like the show. I will say I'm not a huge, like, the show is not the greatest thing since sliced bread for me. Uh, I really love the fan. Fandom has vastly outpaced the show in terms of creative content and uh just value in general i love the fandom the the show itself like yeah i'll watch the new episodes and sometimes there's a great one that i really like but I, i'm just as happy to uh let the show do its own thing while the fandom goes off and does much better things uh i i tend to focus on character driven stories uh, I'm known as a, oh yeah uh i'm known as a comedy writer that's how i got my start but uh i've also branched off into a couple other uh, genres as well, but comedy is the one that I always come back to in the end. It's uh, it's where I feel most at home. Uh, the the story that I have bouncing right now is kind of an absurdist comedy in my style. Uh, that's when I write comedies, I take an absurd premise and I drop it into a, a situation, and the characters just have to react to it, and they they have to take it like, okay, well, this is our life now. I guess we better figure out how to deal with it. And just that absurdist comedy, that kind of Monty Python uh, style of comedy is where I really feel at home. It's what I always go back to. Alrighty. Uh, the next question is, are you an optimist, pessimist, or realist? I like to think I'm an optimist. 
with limits. I, I recognize that not not everyone is a good person or acting, but uh, I think if if you want to be happy, then you have to make the effort. Uh, if if you don't uh, go through the trouble of trying to you know see the bright in life or find the best characteristics in people, uh, then you're not going to. You know you have to search for those things, and the more effort you put into it, the more of it you'll find, and the happier you'll feel. Uh, if you are content with just seeing only the bad in people or in life or in everyday situations, then that's that's all you're ever going to encounter. And as a result, you won't be happy. So uh, I, I would say an optimist, but uh, an optimist who recognizes that we live in a real world. Uh, so a realist as well. All righty. Uh, the next question um, from Explosions, mm -hmm. uh, apparently, Explosions always asks everyone, every guest, this question, but it's always in the chat, and Pencil doesn't get around to asking it. So he's asking me to ask you, mm. would you please lay down a sick freeform rap for us? Oh, goodness. No, uh, sorry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use my get out of jail. All yeah. right. That's fair. Not a rapper. Never, not one of my skills. Would uh, rap count? Yeah, so so that so there goes the sick intro for the YouTube version. Ah, so, oh, too bad. <laughs> All righty, now we have some questions from Fluffy Unicorns. Mm. Uh, it starts with question number one: Would you agree with the statement "fuck everything"? No, no, I think that's kind of a despairing concept. You know, that, that's the so the sound of someone. And certainly I have said it in the past when I've been frustrated. I mean, I, I get frustrated at work a lot of times. But after you say something like that, you got to then get right back to the grindstone. You know, by all means, you know, cuss up a storm and let people know that you're pissed off. But don't let that stop you. Don't just, you know, pick up your toys and go home. What about if you mean it literally? Mm, that's a little different, obviously. Uh... You know, get some lube, I guess, but, uh... <laughs> yeah. Man, that garbage, garbage disposal is looking very around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're in for a bad time if you really feel that way. If you, if you put everything in life into a, the set of things that you would enjoy fucking is probably a very small subset of that set, to use a math metaphor. Uh, so be careful. That's my fetish. Anyway. Remember, kids, one in four people have STDs. Next question. <laughs> Would you set the world on fire if you could? No, I love the world. So wait, wait, are you, are, you saying, are you saying that you don't want to set the world on fire? Fall out oh, this is a, there's a song here. Okay, no. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. No, no, not set the world on fire. All right, thank you. I'm against that. If you had the choice, uh, would you prefer to kill Thorax slowly or fast? Who's Thorax? Just so I know who I'm he's, killing. He's that changeling that Spike convinced everyone to oh, like. Oh yeah, crap. okay, gotcha, gotcha. Kevin, I think. Is yes, Kevin. Yes, Kevin. I liked, I liked <laughs> Kevin better. Um, I sympathize with people who want to kill him both slowly and quickly. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not a huge fan of Kevin uh, Thorax. Uh, I okay. You asked earlier, were there any uh, episodes that kind of broke my canon? 
changelings were much cooler in my head until that episode came along. I would agree, uh, yeah. Yeah. Now, Kevin, and not the Kevin episode, Kevin's fine, but that the season finale, which was great in a lot of respects, kind of killed the changelings for me. You know, they went from being these, you know, cool bug parasites to uh, really just like angsty teens who have been misled. And uh, I thought that was a bit of a rough ending for them. And, and God, now they're like these weird multicolored things. Oh, I don't know about that. So, uh, spoiler alert if you haven't seen the final yet. Uh, thanks, thanks, bro. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully everyone's seen it by this point. Yeah. No, I, uh, haven't, uh, I haven't, but I'm just terrible, so ignore Okay, me. well, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of great stuff in the finale, but uh, Changeling, if you really like Changelings as monsters, you're probably not going to like this episode. So, episodes. Yay. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't wish death on Kevin, but eh, guy could have done better, I think. Sorry. Also, when he mega evolved, he kind of lost his vocal cords. Yeah, yeah. I don't like. Maybe they just lost that ability. Like they can't talk now. That would be rough. Anyway. Now we've. Like, came can they to... still change? Can they? Do we know if they can still do that? Not they're probably yet. gonna. They're probably gonna come up with some new bullshit. They're saying now that they're accepted, they don't have to change. They don't have to change. They they've accepted themselves for what they oh are. Oh my god! I would. There are people. Put the fandom in protest. Uh, there are people but, yeah, I would hire, so to make people dead. So there you go. Alrighty. Uh, now we've got a set of questions from Vylon, and mm -hmm. a lot of our regular viewers Here. always look forward to Vylon's questions because she's Here. not afraid to pull punches. Here oh. we go. Vylon, so, you're going to get asked some very uncomfortable questions. Just be ready, okay? Alrighty. First of all, she, start, she starts with, thank you so much for joining us. We're very mm -hmm. honored, especially since you don't even write HIE. So uh, honor. First of all, what does it feel like to be a senior member of the Brony community? I, I try not to think of myself as a getting uh old enough now that uh it's it's not as flattering as you might imagine i i think of myself as a a contributor to the fandom uh, who happens to be decent to pretty good about writing uh rather than like some old fogey right right um what do you think of the current state of the mlp community it's fine i mean obviously it's gotten a little smaller over the years if you if track uh by probably 30% or so, maybe 90 could give us an exact answer, but it hasn't collapsed like a lot of people think. Like they're, they're like, oh, FinFix dead, no one's there anymore. No, it's it's still about, you know, 70% of its strength, even at the peak of the fandom, uh, if you just track the statistics. Uh, the stories have gotten a lot better. I think the overall quality of writers has improved a lot. Um, the, the episodes are still, pretty uh, awesome. I think season six had some of the best episodes in quite a while. Uh, you, know, you still get some stinkers occasionally, ones that just don't appeal to me, but uh, you get some great ones too. So it's nice to see that that quality of writer is still working on the show. Um, my writing itself has slowed down a little bit. I don't produce as much as I used, mostly because I focus on the write-off nowadays, just improving myself as a writer 
So the, the number of actual stories I turn out has uh, decreased by a little bit. And a lot of them I'm writing, you know, originally have a place on film fiction. So if Nighty ever gets off his ass and makes Fimfic into the general fiction thing that he keeps promising, maybe I'll be able to post them. But for now, only probably about half of the stuff I write actually ends up as stories on fan fiction. So <clears throat> I think things are still going great in the fandom. I'm, I'm not depressed at all by it. Alrighty. Uh, the next question, uh, we already covered that one. How do you get the ideas for your stories? Um, a lot of brainstorming. I mean, my comedies are mostly a, I'll try to think of just the craziest idea. And then how would, uh, how would ponies react to that? if they had no choice but to treat it seriously. Like, um, if you look at some of my recent uh, comedies, one was uh, about uh, completely safe in the reference section. Uh, Twilight Sparkle finds this book of dark magic, which has happened in the show. That is a real thing. Uh, but Twilight Sparkle then decides, oh, this is a great book. And you know, she's a librarian. What do you do with books? You put them in the library, because that's what you do with books. Um, and that's not necessarily a good idea for a book of dark can come along and look at it and get some pretty bad ideas. So the story is just, uh, you know, how do ponies react to having this evil magical artifact in the library that Twilight Sparkle just keep checking out to people. Uh, so absurd ideas like that. And where, do, where can you take those ideas? Um, that's where a lot of my ideas come from. For the darker stuff, I just try to explore aspects of humanity. Um, Childhood's End is a recent one about growing up. Uh, I, I, whenever I write something, I'm thinking, what statement am I, am I trying to make about being human? And uh, you know, if you're not doing that, you're probably missing an opportunity. All right. Uh, let's see. The next question is, what advice would you give to anyone aspiring to be a great writer? Just keep writing, practice, uh, do stuff like the write-off, and uh, another shameless plug for the write-off, but you need three things to write. Uh, you need, first off, you just need to write. I mean, if you're not writing, you're, you're not going to improve. You need to get feedback on your writing, and that means get an editor, get someone who's willing to read your stuff and tell you what you did wrong. You know, if you just have an editor who says like, hey, good job, I really love this section, that's, you're not improving. You need someone who tells you what you did wrong, what failed. Uh, the best editor I ever had was Cassius, uh, who was a cruel person. Uh, just, he would just tear my stuff up. Like I would write what I thought was just the best prose since Faulkner. You know, every writer thinks that. They, we all think we're the best writers ever. And he would disabuse me of that uh, uh, conceit. He would let me know exactly how I failed and extensively. Uh, we discovered that you can crash a Google Doc uh, if you leave more than 400 comments in it. Uh, which he did on many occasions. I had to break my stories up into one uh, documents just so he wouldn't crash them with the number of corrections he would leave in them. Uh, so you need that kind of feedback. The write-off gives you that. The write why writers are giving you a zero out of 10 or whatever. And then the third thing you need to do is you need to take that feedback and you need to improve your writing based on it. If, if all you ever do is write, you're not going to get better. If all you ever do is get feedback, but you don't incorporate it, you're not going to get better. If you want to be a better writer, you need to write a lot. You need to get feedback on your writing, and then you need to change how you write based on that feedback. Yeah. Alrighty. The next question is, how much does writing mean to you? 
Oh, it's, I love writing. It's, uh, <clears throat> I, I think it's the best form of human communication. I mean, we're, uh, where we've got YouTube videos and vines and those fancy things, but I think writing is still the best way to, uh, to motivate people. There's always concern about how the newspapers are dying and no one reads anymore. And I don't agree with that. I think we're inventing new ways of reading, new ways of writing, but it's still the best way to uh, convey messages, to convince people, and to change people's minds. All right. Um, let's see. What got you actually into the show? Uh, it was, oh, Christ, what was it? Maybe um, Wired Magazine, perhaps, back in, like, the middle of uh, 2011. It was back when the show was new and there was a lot of, articles in like Wired and various, uh, you know, online magazines about, you know, bronies, what are these adult men who love children's show? And I saw that article and I was like, huh, that's weird. And just out of curiosity, I went and I watched the first episode and I was like, you know what, that's not so bad. And then I went to EQD and before I'd even watched most other episodes, I started looking at some of the stories people had written. And right away, it was pretty clear that, you know, the, the stories people were writing were better for adults, uh, for, you know, for grownups than the cartoon was. Because the cartoon, if we're honest, it's 13-year-olds. Uh, I, I just discovered that there's a great uh, community out there producing a lot of creative stuff. And kind of rather mercenary of me, I realized that, hey, there's a huge audience here and I know how to write. I can write stories about ponies and get a lot of readers. And I can write about whatever I want. I mean, yeah, okay. So I'm writing about ponies, but really I'm writing about people and human situations that just happen to be in pony shapes. And uh, I, I took that opportunity to its fullest. All right, uh, how much are ponies a part of your life at this point? Yeah, uh, not too much, I'd say. I mean, certainly writing. The pony part of it is entirely secondary. Uh, stories about ponies are stories about people. So I write a lot of stories about people that happen to be ponies, but that's not my primary concern. I'm trying to write great stories that, you know, really leave an impression in people's minds that make people ask a question about what it is to be human. And the fact that, you know, they feature ponies is interesting, but not ultimately important. All right. Uh, we already touched on your art a little bit. So the mm -hmm. next question is, do you have a place where you store and, you know, show off your art so that way people can follow you there? Uh, I've got a DeviantArt page. I don't have all of All righty. Uh, then yeah, now we'll, we'll never know what he has. We'll we'll try no, no. and grab a link for that there. We can oh, yeah. it. There, I went ahead and linked it in the chat. Thank Alrighty. you. Cool, cool. Uh, we'll share that at the bottom of the YouTube video as well, and of course yeah. in the Twitch chat. Uh, the next question. Are you gonna win the white off? You know, you might if you said it right, priest. You piece of shit. Elmer Fudd. Is that you? I've never won the original fifth right. I've gotten the silver medal, which is like its own circle of hell, but I've never won the original fifth right off. I've won the, the pony one a bunch of but my I want to be a good original writer, so it's kind of frustrating to keep coming in second place. 
in the original fiction rounds. And maybe this will be the time I break that uh, curse, uh, or maybe not. We'll see. All righty. Uh, the next question is, how's the aquarium? The aquarium. Okay, I, I'm missing the reference. What is it? I'm I'm missing a reference too. We all are apparently. Damn it. Okay. Dot dot dot. All dun, right. Dun, dun. Okay. Yeah. Now we'll go into uh, the more Vylon-esque questions. Uh, would you rather have a penis-sized nipple or a nipple-sized penis? Oh. You know, I, I think it would be easier to surgically-correct the penis-sized nipple, so we'll go with that one. Already? Can you imagine what that would look like? Imagine if you decided to be a burlesque dancer. You wouldn't even need to buy tassels. You just go out there and, and, and you can just swing those little fuckers around. It'd be great. But oh, what if you get excited? Whoop. Man. You could tie, tie string to it. You're crazy. Oh my gosh. Put bells on it. Yeah, I put bells on them probably. Get them pierced. Oh god. <laughs> I, don't how to, I, don't know how, I don't know how to handle this. <laughs> I, I just right. have this image in my head and it's just wrong. Um, I know. I'm so happy I put it there. Anyway, the, nice. Mr. President. The next question is, what do you think of foreskin restoration? Uh, I try not to think about it. That's Wait, the it, fairest is, answer ever. Is that like the reverse circumcision? Yes, it is yes. exactly that. Oh, God. Um, Here right. we go. I am, I am ready. Priest, you can do it. I have faith in you. Go for it. You are a heart, and you beat okay. for the love of your life. Oh. However, she does not realize you're there for her, taking oh. you for granted, even if you beat for her and keep her alive for every moment of her life. Still, you, yeah. you are still determined to let her know that you love her and make her realize your feelings for her. Will you stop beating for a while, hurting her, but letting her know how important you are to her? Or will you keep beating unconditionally, letting the pain that you do this for her, but she'll never realize? What you the know, fuck, if Vyvon? If I'm what being honest, you know, it's, it is a flaw, but I am certainly vindictive to be like, yeah, we're just going to skip a f and <laughs> you know, see what happens. And that's bad. That, let's just be straight up and say that is the, the right thing to do is to keep beating and just suffer through not having your love returned. But damn, that's hard to do for humans. You know, I, I don't know any person who willingly do that unless unless you really love this person. And you know, hey, that's that's part of the uh, that's part of the premise. So maybe if I was really in love with the person, uh, I would go ahead and do that. But I, I think I'm a little too vindictive, and I'd be tempted to just be like, oh, missed a beat there. You okay? Yep. Okay, good. Let's keep going. Yeah. I don't think I'd be comfortable with having a yandere heart. I, I would be the most yandere heart ever, so, yeah. <laughs> I'd be sitting there with, like, I would sit there and be like, hey, it's stop time now, and sit with my, like, little heart watch as they thrash the floor. I'm like, nope, not, not dead, not brain dead, not brain dead, okay, and we're back. All right, now, how are you doing? Love me. You miss me? Yeah, now you miss me, don't you? Now, um... Yeah. Talking about making light of serious things there for the sake of go. comedy, because this, this is come on, come on, this, do this it. is a do new it. level of messed up. Um, no, it's yeah. not. She's done worse. She's done worse. Go on. Come on, let's let's hear it. Let's do it. You have an abortion. Oh. But, okay. 
but the fetus is homesick. Um, <laughs> you decide that what you should do while the slimy mess tries to climb up your leg, uh, will you help it return inside you, or will you condition it to learn that the toilet is its new home? Wow. <laughs> Cylon, what the hell? I love you I feel like oh. there's going to be some day that someone just takes a super cut of all of these messed up questions that I asked and makes me say, like, the worst things since ever. Priest, <laughs> if I just asked you to say the worst things since ever, you'd do it anyway. Of course. No, yeah. a compilation of all of Vylon's things is a freaking manuscript. <sighs> okay. That's I... pretty rough, yeah. I got nothing. You got nothing? Know. You got yeah. nothing? All right. I, I don't blame you. Um, her final question is, was this podcast even close to what you expected it to be? Oh, yeah. I've done podcasts before with uh, groups, so nothing too new here. The drinking game is, but, I, you know, it's uh, 9.53 a.m. here in Japan, so obviously I'm not drinking. Uh, but I'm glad to be helping you, you guys a, out with that. Get you a Sapporo, man. Or sake. I'm mm. totally kidding. Don't 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 do either of those. Don't things. go do that. Yeah. Okay. No. Don't 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 go do that. Don't do that. I misheard you, pencil. It's not like you said get yourself a suppository. I did not say. How did you get a fuck? Shut up. How? How did you do? You know what? It, okay. Okay. If you want to have a beer suppository, that is your prerogative. But I'm not recommending it. Okay. We only have time for one more question, and luckily mm -hmm. that is the amount of questions we have left. The final Yay! question. Is from my good friend Venates. He okay. asks you. You've explored a lot of different genres in your time on film fiction, drama, mm -hmm. adventure, comedies specifically. Do you find switching genres difficult? Do you have any rituals or the like to help you get into that right mindset before you begin writing? Not. I don't know. That's a good question. I never really thought about it. Presumably, if you're not careful, you end up blending genres. You know, you write a comedy, but you accidentally get a little too serious in it. And I've, I've certainly done that. Uh, one of my most controversial stories was uh, Small Town Charm. It was a comedy, of, and kind of in that absurdist vein, it's a comedy where like a billion spiders move to Ponyville, and everyone loves it because they, it, it's like a you know, small town festival there. It happens every couple of years. A billion spiders. Anyway. Uh, Twilight does not like it. Because oh. she's repented a lot, so you know she, you know, as far as she's concerned, just one day a million, and everyone, every pony thinks it's great, but and she's the only sane person there, who is like, no, these are spiders, they're terrible, you guys are idiots. Um, the, at the end of the story, I there's a bit of mood whiplash. It kind of took a serious turn, and some people were fine with that, some people were not. But it's an example of the danger of when you mix your genres without uh, without being too careful. So. Uh, I don't really have any method for doing that. Uh, I think you just have to, in the editing process, in the rereading process, you need to be looking at that kind of thing. Because it gets back to the fact that we all think that our writing is the best stuff ever. Uh, I, I've never met a writer who's like, yeah, yeah, this isn't so good. I, I didn't like this very much. No. Chances are, if you're writing something and you're confident enough to publish it on FinFic, you think it's great. You think it's the best thing ever. Uh, so we're not inclined to see those own problems in our own writing. And, and that's when it comes down to having friends and editors and uh, reviewers that you can give it to and say, hey, what do you guys think about this? And they're like, till you fucked up. And at that point, it wasn't so good anymore. Uh, we need that advice. We need people to give us that kind of reality check. 
because we're not going to give it to ourselves. So when it comes when it comes to figuring out what genre, it's the same story. You just you need to be careful. You need to review your own stuff and you need to let other people take a look at it as well. Otherwise, you're going to write something that you think is this awesome new meta genre blends comedy and existential despair and it's perfect, but you give it to someone else and they're like, man, this is like a hot mess of spaghetti. Uh, I don't know where to start and you've confused me. So you, you need that outside perspective. All righty. Well, and then go on, Enigma, please. Well, that's just my style. Yeah, oh, exactly. You. Yeah, that's all. Oh, no, 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 no. You need to stop for a second. No, no, no. If you can't take a step back and look at what you're doing isn't working, and you're just headstrong about like, no, my story is the best story ever. Freeze. That's yeah. no. You Wrong do realize I'm just quoting. Priest, you do realize I'm just quoting something that pencil that pencil once, right? I know, but that said, I am making hyperbole to bring home a point using comedy. The point being that you should be able to look at your own work and yourself and know that you are not the best, that you will always make mistakes, and that your writing can always be better. Mm -hmm. And if you don't you know that, and if you, if you don't know that, and if you don't realize that, then there's something severely wrong with you. You're not the best writer ever. You need to always remember that. Take not everyone can be Take Kurt Vonnegut. Take the attitude you're always going to be a shit writer to someone out there. Yeah. Words are not the God's gift to the world. If so, the world wants a gift receipt. Stephen King like, makes millions of mistakes. Yeah, he does. He can't mm -hmm. write an ending. Well, sometimes he does. <laughs> uh, sometimes he does. Sorry, I offended like ten people. <laughs> anyway, that said, that is all the time we have for this week's podcast. Um, Cole, thank well, you again for coming mm -hmm. on and enduring our questions. Uh, hopefully, you had a good time. Of course. You're a very interesting character, I say, so everyone can have one last drink. Ah. Yes. I was wondering if I was going to finish the scotch. Yeah, there you go. Mm. Um, who, and uh, thank you all for coming in, and thank you for asking your questions. That was really, really good of you. And yes, thank you so much for coming on, Golden Bardez. It was really oh, nice to you. have you. Thank you for thank having me. Thank you for answering questions. Thank you for putting um, up with us. It was great. Of course, if you didn't have the chance to see the entirety of this broadcast live, it will be up on YouTube uh, later at some point. Um, also, maybe question marks over everything. Maybe Ponyville Live. Sometime it's it's all super secret and in the works. But that said, this has been the Good HA wait, podcast. Wait, wait. Before we sign out, first of all, who do oh, we have yeah. next week? We do not have a scheduled guest for next week. Really? That I know somebody who's going to be on. Anyway. We're going to leave you in suspense. Secret surprise. We're, we're, we're getting everyone ready to do a super duper election week. No, we're not. We're oh, not going to no. comment about the election at all. No, let's not do that. No, yeah. no. Okay. Wait till after the election. Yeah, no. Anyway. Um, all right. Priest, what were you saying? You, you were about to do something important like uh, read us out? Thank you for coming and watching the Good HIE podcast this weekend. Uh, this has been a non-pencil. I hope you all die, but not on Halloween. Chat penguin lips. Mm -hmm. Don't drugs do kids. Enigmatic otaku. I'm a bit disappointed by this Mexican pizza. Flamin' Orpher. I was only here for 12 minutes. <laughs>
Milk was here. No, I wasn't. Vylon stalked us, and of course we have the illustrious Colton Gardez. Well, thank you. It was good to be here. And you have that letter priest. That's me. Have a great weekend, everyone. Bye! And thank me your less shit than usual today. Good job.